What's up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brantlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And out in Long Beach, California, sitting in my miniatures workshop, I'm Robert Denfeld. So in this episode, we are going to unpack a trio of new hip-hop releases. Oh, yeah. That would be Beyonce and Jay-Z's Everything is Love collaboration. The Carters. Another collaboration by Kid Cudi and Kanye West, Kid See Ghosts, and then uh, Nas's latest album. We're also going to review, as Rob just alluded to, the deeply <laughs> disturbing new horror film, Hereditary. Yes. But first, uh, we have to start on a, a bit of a somber note, actually, and pay respect to the life of the one and only Anthony Bourdain, who, um, as everyone listening to this knows by now, mm-hmm. uh, he fortunately committed suicide mm-hmm. back on Friday, June 8th, which was just completely shocking news. Um, Terrible news one to of those, wake up to. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, waiting for the subway, check uh-huh. Twitter as I usually do, see the top trend is Anthony Bourdain. I yeah. get a little nervous just seeing that and click through and see not only dead, but by suicide, which is when you consider the life that he led is just completely... It's really upsetting. And just shocking in so many ways um and this happened in france while he was filming an episode of parts unknown he Mm -hmm. was 61 years old and you know this is a guy who was such a even said in his twitter bio like enthusiast like a life enthusiast he was passionate about everything he did oh yeah an author chef tv personality travel god (laughs) um and you know and, and not to you know rank something this morbid but i would say this is the most for me, like most shocked I've been by like a public figure death since Prince back in oh, yeah. April 2016, uh-huh. um, especially the way it happened. Right. So, you know, don't want to kind of want to make this more of a celebration of his life. And, yeah. And obviously he's super sad, but um, just talk about you know, his you, television legacy mostly. Yeah. And like, I mean, he, you and I were mutually like huge fans of his for yeah. a while. Oh, yeah. I think it's just as like a figure, just a complete original like totally. he's kind of the kind of person like they don't make men quite like him anymore a renaissance he seemed like a true renaissance man mm-hmm. he just he kind of created a genre of television with uh anthony bourdain no reservations which was on mm-hmm. uh the travel channel from 2005 to 2012 uh, a total of nine seasons i'm anthony bourdain that's right i write i travel oh, I eat, and i'm hungry for more And that show, I think, really influenced so many shows that are out now, like uh, all these cooking reality shows. And just it really helped create like the celebrity chef era in a way. Um, You know, there was like Emeril Lagasse with uh, his show before this. But this was like the travel cooking show. And and really more than cooking, it's about culture and food and you know authenticity yeah yeah seeing like real people's lives and experiencing how they you know how food defines their culture and Mm -hmm. um the i don't know about you but the the cinematography of this show Mm -hmm. really influenced me like i just 
it just made me want to travel more. And oh, it, yeah, it came yeah. out at a time, like it started in 2005. I believe I started watching it. We were juniors or seniors in high school. And I, I used to watch it at night, I remember. And then I watched it a lot uh, when I came home from college in the summers. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode of No Reservations. But mm. the cinematography, I, I believe it won a few primetime Emmys. It it just influenced me in a big way, just the way they shot it and portrayed the the countries or cities they were visiting and you know just showed the world in a in a deeper way than I had maybe ever seen before yeah yeah and he he'd always been he's been like a huge film fan he's gone on yeah. record many times that he tried to kind of emulate a lot of homages to style films. and yeah. cinematography yeah and, and and really got creative with it um yeah no reservations was was definitely my first introduction to him I think I I started watching that back in college, maybe a few years after you did, but uh-huh. completely just like one of my favorite people in media. I mean, right. just as you were saying, like just experience life to the fullest more than anyone, obviously an amazing storyteller. And he also just gave like a spectacular interview, like oh, yeah. whether it was written, it was on a podcast video. If I saw Bourdain's name attached to it, like I'm reading that, I'm consuming it. that, yeah. I'm listening to it. Just had such a unique perspective and thoughtful opinions on like anything, uh-huh. like not just what he was an expert in, but just like light, you know, just, yeah. It, and brutally it, it honest. Just, um, you knew you were yeah, going to get yeah. some like hard hitting opinions and sometimes controversial. And that, that was kind of his charm. You know, he, he was, had some demons in his life, obviously. And, right. you know, had some drug problems as a young chef, I believe. Uh, he talks about that on the oh, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like he, he was not, he would not shy away from saying anything or, you know, stating how he feels about something. And, and that was like really refreshing. And especially nowadays, like there aren't that many people that aren't afraid of like public reaction and alienating things. their fan base. In a yeah. Way. Like, or just completely just unabashed. Like, yeah. this is who I am and I'm speaking my mind. So what did you learn from all your jobs? What do you take away from your job? What do you take away? Uh, be open to experience be willing to try new things, don't have a rigid plan, uh, accept random acts of hospitality without judgment or fear. Don't be afraid to wander, don't be afraid to eat a bad meal. You know, if you don't risk the bad meal, you'll never get the magical one. But I think most important, you know, be humble, be grateful. You were talking about when you heard about the news waiting for the subway. I I heard the news uh, from a text message uh, my dad texted me that night mm. or overnight early in the morning. And so I woke up to the text to Anthony Bourdain, you know, hanged himself. And I was just like really struck by it. And I know my dad knew how much I really liked him and um, it's kind of how influential he was. I, I think I said that already, but um, just influential he was on me. And um, I, I think I once stated that he's my favorite journalist. Like I kind of looked at him as more than like this TV host. He was kind of just like a global journalist in a way, just documenting culture, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think just consuming like Bourdain material just made you appreciate life in like new ways with like deeper meaning. And, yeah. you know, I think it was uh, on our, our, other favorite pod to watch um Mm -hmm. chris ryan and anthony or uh andy greenwald were talking about him and you know i think greenwald said like he really represented like the best of america in a lot of ways yeah you know that someone like so open-minded yeah open-minded endlessly curious compassionate especially when traveling and just Mm -hmm. like 
that's a guy I want to be like an ambassador of America, you know? Right. And, and he wasn't a big see, star until in, you know, in his forties. Right. Right. He didn't really he, hit it off. Yeah. He wrote like an op-ed in the New Yorker right. uh, around like 2000 while he was, you know, hustling all throughout the nineties working uh-huh. in New York kitchens and, and rising just like as a chef in his own like world that op-ed column went like viral as viral as things you go in 2000. And then yeah. he got uh, the offer to write, Kitchen Confidential, which I actually mm-hmm. read two summers ago. Have you, yeah. have you read that book? I've. Uh, so I was going to say I have it and I read like a quarter of it and then just never finished it. But I'm I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. Um, I do <laughs> oh, own it. Next and, for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just haven't finished it, but I will eventually. And I own one of his cookbooks also. And, uh, you know, obviously, oh, yeah, it kind of appetites. Yeah, appetites. Exactly. It came out a few oh, years I, ago. Yeah. So, so good. I love it's the cool. artwork and it just oh, shows yeah. like his. It's so Hunter unique S. to him. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's the kind of you know, person he was, kind of uh, similar to Hunter S. Thompson in a lot of ways. Totally. And you also see kind of these stories more and more emerging since his death about how many kind of up-and-comers, particularly in the culinary world, that he helped to like, oh, yeah. succeed, kind of shining the light on them, uh-huh. leveraging his own success to help the hardworking. Totally. Um, which is awesome. And just you know, putting lot, them just, on an episode of, of No Reservations and Parts Unknown and The Layover, uh, The Mind of a Chef is a show on PBS that he was a co-producer and he narrated. Just uh, all the chefs that were on, you know, appeared on one of those programs and that he helped boost their career and, like I said, create this, like, celebrity chef era that we're living in now. He was just, like, his influence really can't be overstated in that world. Mm-hmm. I saw, uh, I think it was an AV club. You know, he had a very distinct appearance. He was like six yeah. foot four, covered in tattoos. Looked right. like, I mean, he, he was 61, you know, when he passed. And, the gray hair. You know, he's he lives such a life where, you know, he's he had a lot of, yeah, gray hair. And he, he, like the quote in AV club that stood out to me was like a face like it was chiseled out of stone. Right. Almost, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Which I think is a really kind of funny and accurate description. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Parts Unknown. That's something that I've been like, binge watching since this happened just having it on the background so good i mean Mm -hmm. his voice narration on those shows they're Mm -hmm. just so poetic and sharp and to the point there's never like a word wasted right he's funny um you know that same can applies for the layover no reservations yeah Um, it's basically it's all on netflix and it's been awesome to watch that yeah i mean under sad circumstances but like that's been my main like what i've been consuming of his since this happened and it's crazy. There are still new episodes. I think a few more episodes of Parts Unknown that have yet to air. So, I mean, yeah. he was, uh, the day he died, he was, you know, supposed to shoot in Strasbourg, right. France, where I've actually been before that city. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, his, his I think Parts Unknown was kind of just an extension of No Reservations. It's it's very, very similar. It's It's on a different network, so... You know, maybe they just had a parting of ways with Travel Channel and went to CNN. But yeah, his it's basically the same show where he just, you know, meets meets up with somebody locally, like a chef or a friend and or just like a family member that he, you know, he would uh, famously like receive emails from people that would say, I want to show you around my city wherever in the world. And he would take them up on it and be like, OK, we're going to do an episode in your your hometown and show us your food culture and you know let us have a family dinner with your grandmother and parents you know like that was a side it just taught you so much about the world and just to see how everyday people live and 
and live their lives through food and culture. Um, Parts Unknown just, also yeah, loved it. I would I would say yeah. It also he'll visit places that you wouldn't think would be highlighted. Like he, he was in like New, I watched like the episode where he just went to New Jersey, and I was uh-huh. like, whoa, <laughs> New Jersey is kind of awesome now. Like yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, I've been there a million times, but in in just play, pockets of the world where um you know you don't see these types of people go and really explore yeah. and get to like you just learn so much about the locale there and mm-hmm. it's just it's great it's just great content yeah <laughs> and uh, um, really yeah really i'm gonna miss anthony bourdain's pretty sad absolutely and i guess to before we move on just want to say you know this proves as these things usually do when there's like a suicide of a very successful person like depression does not discriminate so right if you are uh suffering please seek help and it's, yeah. it's it's a really obviously horrible disease yeah. depression is and don't and be it, afraid it really, to talk about it yeah so pour one out for anthony bourdain um what a <laughs> life and uh, i need to sit my beer a little bit here <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just let's dumps. just end and end the pod now i don't even want to talk <laughs> right um but let's uh switch from a that depressing topic to a depressing movie uh but in one way, that we're really really excited to talk about and yeah. that is hereditary rob we've been hyping this movie yeah. for a while we talked about the trailer like three months ago on the pod. scariest trailer ever it just came out <laughs> yeah you weren't on record saying <laughs> like we're in tears after you first right. saw the trailer um we both saw this recently and we want to talk about it i I would say spoilers beware. There are a few yeah. spoilery moments that I want to mention. It's kind of hard not to because it's a very plot-heavy movie. But uh, yeah. let's uh, we tell the people a little about Hereditary and sure. we'll get into it. Yeah, I'm going to keep my spoilers uh, to a minimum. I'm going to try, you know, just be kind of vague with it. But yeah, if you haven't seen the movie and you want, like, no no spoilers at all, I highly recommend going to see it in the theater, and I think you should see it at night because I think it'd be very strange to walk out of this movie 10 in daylight, uh, yeah, early and like have to night. continue on with your day. <laughs> like, <laughs> you need to you need to sleep on this one, and uh, yeah, I mean it's see hard it sleeping night. after it, though. <laughs> right? So. Right. You're but screwed yeah, either so. way, but see. see <laughs> yeah. Okay. So vague spoilers. Peter. Charlie. Are you okay? Charlie? Please stop. Charlie! Charlie! John. Please stop. Mom? Charlie and Mom? What's happening? Hereditary came out on June 8th. Uh, it's two hours, seven minutes. Distributed by A24, produced by Palm Star Media, um, written and directed by Ari Aster, and he's a first-time director, I believe. I think he's written a few movies, but he's really young. I think he's 31 years old, maybe 32 or 33 now, in his early 30s. He's a graduate of AFI, the American Film Institute in LA. Um, Yeah, so this movie is considered, I guess, a horror-thriller um sort of suspense yeah whatever um drama yeah drama family tragedy so Ari Aster the director writer um when talking with Sean Fennessy on his podcast on the Channel 33 networks uh was quoted as saying when he was pitching this movie he wasn't using the word horror he was describing it as a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare 
And so I think the word curdles in there is uh, <laughs> rather telling. Um, yeah, yeah. There's some Curdle, like sick yeah, yeah. stuff in this movie and just really. It's like one of the most horrific words. I, I, don't I know. know in a lot of ways. That I know I it's like it's like clot or something. Yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> sick sort of uh, gives you some some mental images. But anyway, um, this movie it had a budget of an estimated $10 million and already has made 30 million domestically had a really good opening weekend, 13 million. So made its budget back in the opening weekend, just domestically. So it's obviously a, you know, financial success. Um, it's been getting kind of interesting mixed reviews, like critics like it a lot or, or borderline love it and say it's, you know, yeah, one of the it's like a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So. It's a, I saw a 90 today and 95 top critics, but um, yeah, it's been described as like the most, one of the most disturbing horror movies in years, if you call it a horror movie. Um, and then, but it's interesting the, the user score on Rotten, if you go by that at all is uh 56%. So I think that's based mostly on like the, horror movie expectations like maybe yeah, the audience was so... expecting something else you know what audience horror, horror audience loves seeing <laughs> after this movie the uh-huh. wasn't that scary right, the right. Wasn't that scary there like, wasn't it, enough they're just blood. obsessed with it right and, and yeah like the expectation game you hear about a movie for months you think it's uh-huh. gonna like scare you to death or something you know right. and, and, and just like it's kind of mismanaged expectations and people love acting <laughs> tough after horror movies this movie is freaking terrifying i know okay? if I this movie doesn't you... disturb you seek help also <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> seriously you, yeah, this yeah. is disturbing right 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 do you um, want to give a quick uh quick plot some or like yeah sure of, uh, what it's sure about? sorry so uh tony collette plays the uh, maternal motherly sort of family matriarch uh, and her grandmother or her mother the grandmother of the story has has passed away at the beginning of the movie and uh, so Tony Collette plays the mom uh, Gabriel Byrne plays the father figure and then they have two kids Alex Wolf um, and Millie Shapiro are the actors and uh, basically we live with this family and sort of see how they absorb the death of the grandmother and it's really affecting the the uh daughter character played by millie shapiro um and and there's just something sort of sinister and strange about this family and some sort of yeah just this sense of dread throughout the entire movie and it it, it's played very well with like the pacing and the score throughout the movie it's just really the entire movie you're on edge like every single shot you're sort of expecting something terrible to happen like in the background or wherever it's just it just has that disturbing nature to it throughout um Mm -hmm. but yeah so we we basically just see the family absorb this death of the grandmother and then there's another family tragedy that uh you know includes a car accident i don't want to say too too much more than that and we see how the family reacts to that and it just spirals basically out of control from there into this like sick sick twisted story of family drama death uh really disturbing imagery and sounds and uh the the 
the mother played by Tony Collette is this miniature builder throughout the movie. And that's her, her sort of job. She's, she's doing this big piece for some, some art house or museum. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like this lingering project that just adds stress to the viewer. And obviously to her as a character, like it's, it's just kind of like this weird, tedious job to have that I think adds (laughs) to like the tension. It's really weird. And, and the way the, the, so apparently they built two interior sets for this movie. Um, so every interior shot was, you know, perfectly constructed and like they were able to light it and frame exactly the way they wanted. So it, it seemed like you were kind of in one of the miniatures at times and it was yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really kind of like haunting and disturbing and like disorienting. And so the cinematography in that way was really impressive. Um, what what are some of your takeaways upon, so upon viewing? I, yeah, I have some thoughts. Uh, I do want to start my review with a bit of a confession. Yeah. And this is something I don't think I've ever done before, particularly with a horror movie that you kind of hear leading up to it has some twists and turns, some like, mm-hmm. oh my God moments, like you can't wait to be surprised by it. Right. So I saw this about... Uh, I didn't see it opening weekend because I remember I was away. Uh, I forget exactly why I, was, I wasn't able to. I think I saw it the following like Wednesday or something. Sure. I and Robbie may judge me. The listeners may judge <laughs> me. This is what happened. It's okay. I actually read the synopsis on Wikipedia Dang. before I saw this of why what happened because <laughs> the the uh, it it was just gnawing at me and I knew I was going right. to see it that week and I just. I don't know, something like overtook me and I just like Googled like, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Like, and then I just Googled like hereditary, like Wikipedia. Right. And I just, I read like the first line and then I like I th- went away and then I read another and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh my God, I just saw that. Oh, I might as well yeah. read the whole thing. So, you know what, based fine. on your texts about this movie, I think you were just going to like reassure yourself that you could handle it. <laughs> you seemed, right, right, you right. seemed a little bit afraid of this one, which is, oh, I mean, no, I was like scared. You shouldn't be, see, you shouldn't I mean, be I love horror movies, but. So regardless, even though that I, I did that, this movie completely made me feel like that's like the oh, yeah. first thing I can say about it. It totally. You see, look, we love movies, all genres. Reality is, you you see a lot of movies, and, and you know, you're kind of like numb to them. Like you mm-hmm, know, things mm-hmm. are happening, and like, yeah, they can be you're on a certain level and, and engaging yeah. and stuff. Like, but. Rarely do movies have, like, the visceral reaction of, like, pulling emotions, like, out of you. You know, in this, like, in this Hereditary for two hours was that. It was almost like eating, like, a really, like, when you eat, like, something super spicy. It, like, makes you feel alive. Uh Maybe not the most pleasurable way or conventionally pleasurable way, but it made me feel. And this was just a very complete experience Uh of the horror genre, I think. You know, it was horror filmmaking at a high level, the direction by Ari Aster that you mentioned, the writing, the performances, the editing, the score, all top notch. And it's it's a slow burn, Mm -hmm. but remains like engrossing and horrific throughout. It's plot heavy, but it's coherent. I would describe this movie as like punishing in a way, which as much as I liked it, I kind of couldn't wait for it to end and i i really love this movie it's one of my favorites of the year but me too during it it's just like it's emotionally it's terrifying yeah. there's a lot of grief it, it stays with you like we reviewed right. a quiet place which came mm-hmm. out two months ago which we both really really enjoyed mm-hmm. which is like kind of technically you know horror like thriller 
that's one that's like in the moment kind of thrill ride. Yeah. And then once it's over, it kind of just evaporates from your memory. Right. Heredity, you just, like you have to like really a, absorb this one. Like a tick or like, <laughs> right. what is the, what is the, it like crawls inside your body and like hatches yeah. eggs and like just, <laughs> I mean, that's a dis- disgusting <laughs> visual, I know, but oh. it like, it like lives inside you. Yeah, that's the and kind of really uh, hard imagery get... this movie inspires or evokes. Right, right. Really hard to just get out of your head. I'm still thinking about yeah. it in some of the images and scenes and, yeah. you know, it's interesting, those first 40 minutes and uh, my friends who I saw it with were saying like, you can almost think that it's like a somber family drama. Right, exactly. And then, and then it you curdles. Know, uh, <laughs> uh, decapitation happens I mean, you yeah know, yeah, so, yeah it, it's it's um and then you know i, I don't know the, i think influence wise uh, mm. i wanted to mention you know rosemary's baby that's carrie. exactly what i said rosemary's baby yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. carrie which is yeah right right i want to praise <laughs> the performance of tony collette that's yes. good enough for a best actress nomination um, i agree and i think alex wolf the son maybe uh best oh, yeah, supporting yeah, actor yeah, I would be surprised if that happens just because of like how the Academy treats the horror For, genre. Maybe right. that changes a little with the Get Out noms, but I don't know. I would, yeah. you know, it's, we're so far away. We're like a, you know, yeah. Over, I just wanted to mention him. The- yeah, I wanted to mention his performance because I thought it was yeah. pretty outstanding. But I think Tony Collette kind of stole the movie, and if anybody gets a nomination, it'll be her. Um, uh, some the of my- actress who plays Charlie, the Millie uh, Shapiro. I just want to say, like, I just envision her walking into like. <laughs> the audition and the casting director being like it's over we found our charlie like <laughs> this is her first feature length movie she is amazing in it who's gonna take care of me you don't think i'm gonna take care of you but when you die the way she clucks her tongue is just terrifying like if i <laughs> if i heard that if you know luckily my girlfriend's not like mean enough to do that while i'm in the bathroom or something but i'd like flip that first night i would have been i would have been shook but uh yeah some of the yeah some of the best um sequences of this movie i think it was just sort of immaculately constructed and put together as we've been saying and the way it was paced like it never let you catch your breath or like settle down once it got going you know like the first 30 minutes were a little slow just establishing everything but then when it got going it really you know got going and and stuck in that in that level uh just maintain this level of uh like dread and fear for 90 minutes um after the car accident and then we see the close-up of the son peter's face Mm -hmm. um as his mom like wakes up and goes down to the car and just starts screaming uh, and then she's in a yeah. room like wailing, saying, I, I wish I was dead or I just want to die. And we see uh, Peter just like lingering outside the bedroom, listening that entire five minute sequence. I, my mouth was like wide open and I I felt like I wasn't breathing or blinking. And I just had like tears <laughs> welling in my eyes. Yeah. Oh man, it was just crazy. And then the the scene of Tony Collette at the dinner table mm. where she yells at the family or at the the the, the son, yeah. son and the the dad, uh mostly the son. That scene, if if she's nominated, that will be on her Oscar reel. That was like astounding. Absolutely. Her eyes in that scene were haunting. But the as soon as I Joan uh too. Have oh yeah, and Dowd. No, and Dowd. She I mean, when you realize what Joan is up to, it makes your Oh yeah freaking skin crawl it's always right. an effective device in horror when those kind of twists happen like it makes you like gulp you uh-huh. know like oh shit this oh. is what's going down right um <clears throat> the 
scene of just kind of getting into some specific scenes, uh, some ones you didn't mention, like Peter breaking his nose and the look mm-hmm. on his face, like. Oh yeah. I, I read. I He's think that he actually in the had classroom. broke his nose. Yeah, I know. I heard that too. Like yeah. The the sleepwalking scenes in the oh, house. Yeah. Oof. Um, that freaking treehouse. Yeah. Going back again to it. It's it's the first and last shot. You kind of know. Mm. I mean, I I knew because I read it, but right. <laughs> it's uh that 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 was gonna play a prominent role as the events unfolded. And yeah. I do want to say the last twenty minutes, starting with. And who becomes possessed and is crawling on the ceiling in that first shot of her where she's like pinned to the corner of the ceiling Mm. and the sun wakes up Mm -hmm. and there's like that full shot and he doesn't know what's oh, going and then on she that scurries she's across Oof. oh the scurrying like the whole thing was <laughs> the just like, like yeah, it was yeah. just like a it was like a mice ran through our like our seats or something you know it right. was so scary the composition yeah. of that scene has haunted me the most yeah um, you're checking all the corners of your apartment oh okay yeah i'm looking at all i'm looking at all the corners of my apartment right now sure. at, the, at the top i do want to say too thank god I do not live in a house in the woods after seeing right. this. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I if I lived in a house in the woods after seeing this movie. I I probably I may have not ever returned. I would have gotten a hotel and yeah, something right. would have changed. You need like the life. city lights on the uh, you know just a little ambient light coming in the windows, or else right, you'd be right. terrified. I do want to say the last thing I have is as soon as I saw those walnuts being chopped up at that party by that girl, oh, I was like, Oh, this is trouble. This is yeah, trouble. Yeah, was, and then the sun that, goes that was, and like smokes is, uh, Oh, this is a disaster. Right. Right. And the, the final scene, I will say it, and this is kind of true with, you know, most horror movies, like less is more and kind of mm-hmm. the build up and what you don't see is usually scarier than what you do see. Like, you know, while it was pretty damn scary, like I, I was almost relieved to like see everything, like uh-huh. in a way, like the full reveal of the coven. Like, yeah, I wasn't as creeped up as I was, especially like for like the thirty minutes leading up to that final scene in the treehouse. Uh-huh. Um, it's but, kind of like uh, familiar tropes there with like it's it's kind of similar to the ending of the witch. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, but, definitely. You know, it's me kind of that. things that you've seen before, so that maybe lets you like. <laughs> some sort of relief you're like oh okay it's just this similar sort of thing that i've seen before but uh i don't know if that's sort of uh, if that makes sense as a relief but yeah it it did play on some uh familiar tropes of the horror genre at the end there you know my my girlfriend becky is uh actually away this month great timing for me to see hereditary alone in my apartment um studying for board exams as she's in med school and uh yeah so i've had to sleep alone uh since mm. seeing this every night and it uh let's just say mm. i may have may have uh <laughs> slipped on a few lights uh, yeah just to make sure things <laughs> did you go buy like good. a stuffed animal or something <laughs> <laughs> right 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 um your third your kind of just like one one last thing about the movie your your theater yeah. experience was uh was good i oh. feel like seeing this in a packed house with people at night like it's a yeah. very communal type type someone <laughs> i will say the two takeaways i had was someone went to the bathroom like halfway through and just them like creeping down the stairs, not creeping, but just walking down the stairs behind me. I was like, Whoa, what is that? You know, like what are you doing? Yeah. At one point, a little afraid. And there's also a, uh, I wanted to say there was like a six or seven year old girl in our theater in our row. She walked in with her parents 
after we Apparently had sat down already. Be in jail. I know. I was like, do you know what kind of movie this is? Like, did you think this was Incredibles 2 or Incredibles, something? Yeah. Incredibles 2 down the hall. This is hereditary, man. <laughs> right. I, I honestly almost said something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, just what do you, just what, what, what on earth right. do you think you're doing? This is like NC-17 um, almost. At one point in this movie, I, I, I think it was towards the end, I just audibly said like, I can't take it or something like that. Like I was just like <laughs> exasperated. I, I, yeah. Right. And I will say the person sitting, I think right next to me right after it ended said something like, like, I think the person there was like, whoa, you're scared. And like, no, I mean, mm. that was an uplifting. And I was, you know, yeah. okay. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed you know, it, but you know, you're, you're a psycho. So like I, I was sitting next to a psycho this whole, this whole, movie. no, you know what? I, I have to say, I kind of understand that sentiment. Like, I think the uplifting side of it is that how just how well it was made. Like I found myself smiling at times during this movie because I was just so satisfied with what I was seeing. I was like, wow, this is so interesting and, you know, not new necessarily, but like just so well done. And I was just loving every minute of it, even though it was terrifying. I I had like, you know, just totally engrossed by it and my eyes were just wide open and I, I was just really loving it. So I could understand where he's like uplifted from a filmmaking, you know, aspect or sentiment. Uh, but yeah, if if he meant like story-wise, that's kind of strange. So what would you say, what would you give as your uh, final rating before we uh, we move on? M- move on. Um, I'll just go with like a solid uh, nine out of 10. I think uh, mm, really effective. 9.0 out of 10. Yeah, just just a nice clean nine. Really effective. Uh, definitely worth seeing in the theater. You know, packed. You don't need a packed house, but just the the sound around you and the darkness and the big screen. I think it's worth going to the theater for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really loved it. Yeah, I would say this is about like an eight point seven and growing for me. Yeah, um, lingering and rising. I, yeah, I would say it's probably probably my favorite movie of the year that i've seen so far nice which is um, awesome you know I, I love like when horror movies are done right they're pretty awesome like yeah. high up in my book you know i know you love them. a lot of them are crappy but you know when mm-hmm. when the genre gets it right it, it, they usually just because of how they stick with me and i just right. i do like the feeling of being like the adrenaline rush of being afraid and, and this one yeah. just really high level filmmaking across it the makes board, you feel hereditary. alive like you said Go see it. So why don't we move on to some music? We have three big albums to talk about. Yes. I think starting with perhaps the most culturally massive event in a little while. Um, this this Carter's the Carter's album, uh, the Beyonce Carters. and Jay Z. Uh, you know, obviously married. If you don't know that, stop listening. Um, <laughs> And their album is called Everything is Love. Uh, so why don't you introduce that yeah, yeah. a little bit? So I will say, yeah, all these rap releases, they just kind of need to slow down for a second. <laughs> I know. This is getting I know. a little it's a lot. crazy, especially if you, you know, host the podcast on the side like we do. Great so time everything, to be a hip-hop fan. Yeah, Everything is Love, the Carter's nine-track album, a visual accompanies each, similar to how, you know, Beyonce did her self-titled and Lemonade Mm-hmm. album kind of continuing that tradition and Jay-Z, first ever joint album mm-hmm. yeah did he have a visual for every song or was it oh no no uh, i i'm sorry i just thought you meant like uh just how personal those two albums were i think yeah, this is let, kind of like a continuation of that 
Right. It's been said that, yeah, kind of like Lemonade and 444, this is like completing the trilogy because those right. albums obviously had a lot to do with their relationship, their relationship for better yeah. or worse. Right. Um, so first ever joint album. This has been kind of percolating ever since the recordings of Lemonade and 444. And mm-hmm. it was released on a Saturday evening at the end of the duo's London show. They're on they're mm. on their on the run tour too. Right. And it just had this like party announcement on the like their jumbotron behind, you know, their stage saying oh, like really? album out now. Jeez. Um, that's crazy. So they can do whatever they and want. And this happened I was at a wedding. This happened like yeah, Saturday afternoon, like my mm-hmm. East Coast time. I'm just like, what? Jesus. I just started <laughs> right. listening to this Nas album. Like, I just, I know, you know, know, I'm still digesting <laughs> Kanye and Kids See Ghosts and Daytona and everything. It's just like, come on. Like, yeah. So it was exclusive on um, on Title to start, yeah. which I know we we're we both, I'm sure, grunted at. <laughs> and then it came out on Spotify Premium and Apple. Yeah. You know, the, just the vinyl. Just for two days. It, it was on Title like for just two days. I'm glad that it got put on Spotify pretty quickly, but, mm-hmm. you know, just. They're the only ones still doing these kinds of exclusive. It's like, title is not happening. It's like they're trying to save the last dying, like the gasping breath of a dying corpse that is titled. So right. anyway, they did put it on Spotify. We've consumed it. Um, I guess my initial album thoughts, and you know, I'm pretty massive fans of both of their careers. Some mm-hmm. albums I love more than others. You know, it sounds very expensive, <laughs> the yeah. production, obviously. I mean, these people have as much budget as you could possibly possibly hope to make an album. Right. There are literally no rules. And I, I got to say, I don't know, after a few spins, like, it's very nice-sounding music. Beyonce is, I mean, one of the things that clearly stands out is that she's rapping a lot for kind of the first time ever. And yeah. Jay-Z is obviously doing his thing. And, and sounds yeah. good. I mean, pretty sharp. I don't know, like, I'm getting kind of like a repetitive feel, like all the songs Mm. kind of sound like one another, and it's good to have coherence, but like, there's not something that's like, it's kind of just like, all right, it's good. Yeah. I don't know, like, it it seems kind of risk adverse, like, Mm. it's about their own Mm. problem. I mean, especially with just like everything happening in the world, I just kind of wish there would be like a little bit more transcendence of like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I, critics are high on it, like, Beyonce is just the most untouchable, you know, whatever you think. Like, she's yeah. just untouchable when it comes to critics. I mean, she could put out, you know, freaking, uh, you know, my <laughs> high school band's EP, and they'd be like, this is right. the album of the year, you know? Well, it's so just a, it's, um, it's a critical darling combination and, and a really deadly yeah, yeah. combination. Like, her hooks and choruses and his rapping and verses, it's just like, you know, it's hard to dislike but yeah i, I kind of get what you're saying i think um i think i felt basically the exact same way after my first listen and i liked it i was like oh that was good you know like definitely some awesome lines and like interesting beats and some good verses by jay-z just on the first go around and i've listened to it you know it's only been out for two days at this time of recording um so I think two or three times all the way through and there are some standout tracks um i think seven one three uh, is a banger. It's a Cool and Dre beat. Uh, Black Effect, another Cool and Dre beat. And then uh, Summer is a Cool and Dre beat. And that is the first song on the album. I think it's a, aptly named. I think it's an early Song of the Summer nominee. Uh, it really stood out to me on the first listen and and since then. So I really like those three. Um, 
love happy the last song that one's like super personal uh Mm -hmm. the most personal they just basically talk about their relationship the whole song and it's but it's kind of like happy and peppy and uh, a nice like easy listening beat um yeah and then obviously ape shit is the the song that has a video to it that we can talk about a little bit um shot in the louvre in paris france uh you know features the what's Mona your guess Lisa. for how much how much that costs to run out the louvre for a music i don't know i was deck. thinking about that yeah and it's not like Eight a short dollars. shoot it seemed like they spent an entire night there so i don't know maybe yeah, like yeah. a million you know like a nice solid million dollar flat rate to rent it out for the night <laughs> and they you know jay-z's outside rapping by like the glass pyramid thing so they basically like rented the whole property it seemed like so yeah i, I can't recognize even a few imagine <laughs> Definitely recognized a few of those rooms when we were there studying. Oh yeah, the Mona Lisa room. Do you remember college, the Mona Lisa room when we were room. there? It was yeah. I mean, Mona Lisa's like overrated. A thousand I mean, people. Everyone that's been a loop knows Mona Lisa is overrated, but you know it's still yeah. Mona Lisa. Um, well, the so, winged the winged victory of Samothrace, or I believe that's uh, how you say it, or the Nike of Samothrace. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is like the the winged headless uh, sculpture that they, mm-hmm. they rap in front of and sing in front of a few times. That really struck me when we were at the Louvre. I, that was maybe my favorite piece, so it was mm-hmm. it was cool to see that highlighted in the video. I do like those pastel color suits they're wearing at the very oh, beginning. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, their fashion is obviously on, on 100. That yeah. song... And that's a Pharrell I, beat. Know, yeah, I was going to say Pharrell produced. It definitely does some interesting things. It sounds like a very, like, supercharged production. You know, totally. some very... Again, like expensive sounding synthesizers and like lots of pretty layers. Busy in its production, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of layers. Jay Z's verse in that in that track, I think, is really nice. It's very short. Like I would, it feels like yeah. it's only like twenty seconds, but it's very quick. His flow is lethal. Mm-hmm. It's got. I like the NFL Super Bowl shout out of like I said no to the Super Bowl. You need me. I don't need you. Every night we mm-hmm. in the end zone. Tell the NFL we in stadiums too, which mm-hmm. I thought was dope. Beyonce's uh, rapping is strong. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I guess the like... The Quavo you know, background vocal. <laughs> Did you pick up right, on right, that? Right, right, right. little sample. School, school, or whatever. Yeah, right, just... right. <laughs> it makes it... It modernizes it. You know, they're just trying to appeal to the kids, Ben. Right, right. <laughs> I, I just like... You know, I like 444. Lemonade, I really love. I think that's one of the best albums of this decade. And that was just mm. like... That album just had like a lot of innovation to it. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I just... I, I guess yeah my ultimate takeaway and I got to spend more time with with everything is love but I just I think this I'm one's little... gonna grow on you mm-hmm. I I don't know just after three listens I like it more than I did initially so I think it's growing on me a little bit and you know it may be one of those albums where I only listen to like four of the songs but I probably will play them a lot this summer you know so mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's going to be one of those albums that lingers and people talk about for a while. I think that's that's sort of my initial read on it. And, you know, it's just cool to see two of the biggest artists uh, combine to put together something this ambitious. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's just cool to see. And Absolutely. obviously, you know, kind of defines their relationship in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it's all started through music and now comes together full circle to this collective album so yeah it's cool to see them finish it and actually do it so do you want to talk about um we're going to kind of hit because we got to get we're trying to get through three current rap albums here kids see ghosts the yeah kind of long-awaited uh cuddy and kanye collaboration who Mm -hmm. they've obviously been working together since the 808s and heartbreak days Uh uh they put out their seven song ep as part of this 
five week run of good music. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we, we, we definitely want to get into that. What do you, yeah. what do you think of kids see ghosts? So we both love Kid Cudi and Kanye, you know, Kanye not as much these days, <laughs> loaded, but well, you know, music wise, and Cudi, it's been up and down, but yeah, I, I'm excited well, for yeah, this album and you know, it, totally. It, yeah. Well, Cudi was one of my favorite rappers for a, a solid like five years, five year period, pretty much all of college. Um, and like a year or two afterwards, he had a few questionable albums and he he started to produce probably more than he should have um kind of wasn't his strongest suit um but i think this album is kind of the perfect combination of these two artists it's you know kanye west as the lead producer and kid cuddy as the lead writer and and singer or rapper on this album but they both are on every single song and it's just the combination of the two of their voices is really striking and remarkable like at times it's it's kind of like the perfect combination for hip-hop people i don't know if you feel the same way but yeah this this album is 24 minutes long uh good music and def jam records put it out as you said um i think for people our age especially like in that 28 to 35 range it's like a dream come true um and they've worked together on songs in the past. Uh, both of their albums, they've collaborated. Um, some other names that are uh, listed as producers or contributors on this album, Andre 3000, Plain Pat, Dot Genius, Justin Vernon, Bon Iver, uh, and Francis and the Lights are both on Feel the Love featuring Pusha T, the first title or first track. Yeah, so it's seven songs. Uh, my probably favorites are fourth dimension free and reborn and then maybe cuddy montage but i really like all of them i i i think i love this album ben um what is your what is your like initial feel do you do you like Mm. it have you listened to it a lot i've listened to it a ton yeah so i think and we've kind of glossed over yay on the Musco's faster podcast uh, Kanye's album but i think this is much more thought out then yay more yeah. like fully formed seems ideas. like they spent more time on it yeah definitely and you know as you mentioned cuddy i mean he was i mean for a few years especially like our junior senior in college like we were obsessed with those first two mixtapes mm. the first two man on the moon's albums mm-hmm. like those mixtapes were the soundtrack to our senior year in college maybe more yeah. than like almost any album at that time and cuddy's career has been up and down you know not just creatively like he sadly had a battle with a lot of severe depression um Mm -hmm. and you know this album he does feel kind of like more you know at peace with himself which is which Mm -hmm. is great to hear there's there's still a lot of that trademark like cuddy moan that happens throughout um, um, which mm, and like like you know and all that all I that, love the way he um, uses his vocal cords, like with his yeah. mouth closed. Just the hum. He's the best hummer of rap ever. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, I think this is a very you know creative album. Um, you know, some of the tracks, like I think when this was first came out, it was uh, like improperly sequenced. There was I don't know if you mm. if you read about this, but like when it was oh, first yeah. put on Spotify, like the album order was like jumbled around. Yeah, and like I noticed things that. were mistitled, and so my version. When I first heard it, the opening track was Fourth Dimension. But it was called and, Feel the Love. Yeah. Right. And but it was it was the actual song Fourth Dimension. Right. Which is probably my favorite song on the album. And I remember yeah. putting that in and like it starts with that Louis Prima sample from uh-huh. the nineteen thirties of like uh-huh. 
what will Santa bring us? And it's like, what is this? And then the drums pop in and it's oh just boy. like <laughs> when the beat locks in with those drums and that Ooh. sample and then Kanye's flow, like Ooh. that was something like that is not on yay. Like that is yeah, like that's, perfectly uh, take me back to 2008. <laughs> I, I love when like hip hop, like production like melds i don't even know that's the right word but like no it is like like kind of like how steel would like melt together they almost feel like one unit and in that in that verse with kanye in in fourth dimension listen to it Uh it is like a perfect (laughs) harmony of just sounds and and it's just like it's it's locked in yeah it is the most natural he sounded on any of these features this year Um, all you want is two and a half minutes three minutes right right max (laughs) right right (laughs) The drum tones and beats that Kanye started uh, to popularize around Graduate and 808s and Heartbreak, like those are in this track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like my first impression. I was like, and and that's probably still my favorite song. So I was like, oh yeah, this is this is this is gonna be dope. Um, yeah. You know, again, only seven songs. It's about a little over twenty minutes. Uh, you know. Songs like Fire, which I believe... Is that the opening song? Or no, that's the second song. Second, right. It has like this yeah. stampede of, of drums, which have kind of become yeah. pretty popular in Kanye's music. Um, mm-hmm. And like that screaming sort of vocalization. Right, 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 right. Yeah, um, I love... I think every song is good. Like every song is different than the last and has its own sort of qualities to it and sounds unique. Um, I think it's just like a pretty remarkable piece of work i'm i'm still it still feels fresh even though i've listened to it like 10 times through every time i get a little excited more excited about a different track than the last time so that just shows that it's you know a really good piece of work in my opinion um do you want to talk are you done with like the songs and the construction i want to talk about the artwork of this album a little bit um, it's so great. I think if it's hard to find an image that you can like zoom in on and see the whole thing, but, uh, I, I recommend it. It's a really cool piece of work. I, I would love to have this like framed or something. I think, uh, I like it that much. It's Japanese, the Japanese artist Takashi, Takashi Murakami. And he also worked on graduation, uh, the album art for that album, mm. Kanye's third album, um, there's some like Japanese characters, uh, kanji characters uh, that that translate to kids see ghosts, and then another one that translates to chaos. Um, there's like this Mount Fuji depiction and some Japanese trees and these vibrant colors. Um, and apparently, this Cuddy is represented as a fox and Kanye as a bear on this album. Mm. These little caricatures on there. Um, I just I just love it and it struck me right away. I was like, oh damn, this is a an album art fitting of this combination. So I think I was really satisfied to see that. Um, but yeah, getting you mentioned like how Cuddy raps about depression and like dealing with his his emotions and feelings. It, Kanye has been going through a lot of that also. So it's great to see artists and musicians that you know battle those things and and talk about it and try to cope with it and relate to listeners that uh you know around the world that are dealing with those sorts of issues so it i have loved cuddy from the beginning for that reason and mm-hmm. it, it continues on this album yeah and i think um it's kind of getting back to the sound it's pretty eclectic yeah in that way i mean like free like that's like a rock song pretty much you yeah. know there's like not any hip-hop like the drums and guitar like are very rock focused uh reborn seems like kind uh-huh. of the overall most 
beloved track on the album. I think it's got like mm-hmm. the most streams on Spotify out of it. It's so re-listenable. It's like an anthem. Cuddy's or Kanye's verse is very strong. There's like a just a well-written melody on the course. Um, I think Kid See Ghost, the title track, uh, Most Deaf, aka Yasin Bey, as he's now, uh-huh. I guess, goes by on the hook. It's good to hear him. Like I haven't heard from him in a while. Mm-hmm. He's got a dope beat. I like the last track too, Cuddy Montage. It's like Apparently a sample. There's a, uh, yeah, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. yeah, the guitar. It's like of this really. It sounds pretty like obscure guitar riff that they probably do some manipulation to, but uh-huh. that's um kind of like I don't know. The, I'm kind of surprised it's the last track on the album in a way. Um, but it's uh, I, I enjoy that. So yeah, I I, I dig Kids Ghost. I would say out of this, and I know we're gonna get into Nas here, but mm-hmm. Daytona is still kind of number one for me as far as these this this good music run but i like kids he goes definitely like it more than yay yay is i mean okay. I, there's a reason why we haven't reviewed it yet like we just yeah are not that stoked on it and not I, that enamored yeah kanye is someone who i could his years from 2004 to 2013 i could literally teach a college level course on <laughs> i'm that obsessed with it <laughs> i believe um, it since then you've heard me like i you know it's like the coen brothers for me <laughs> he's in a different era now that just yeah music is not his priority and i you know sure. anyway so we're kind of glossing over yay for now but uh yeah i, I did kid see ghosts and uh, do you want to talk so you'd about... probably have this you'd probably have this ranked number two on out of the four and then nasir yeah can I assume? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, uh, do you want to yeah. get into Nas, Nas here? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the Nasir, Nas album. Nasir. It's titled Nasir, his his first name. Um, why don't you introduce this a little bit? So this is Nas's first album since 2002's Life is Good, first in six years. That is That is a long break to take, especially in hip-hop where you know, music in general, but particularly in hip hop, like this kind of release strategy that's gotten popularized of just like constantly feeding your fan base with Uh like new songs and not really going more than like a year without some kind of like album release or just like, and I know Nas, like he's like a legacy artist. Like, you know, he, you know, he was in his prime in the nineties. Illmatic one of the most important hip hop albums ever made, but I just, I thought it like, I was like, that's, that's a long break. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this premiered exclusively, kind of going back to the exclusives on YouTube music, which they just started rolling out um, under, they did like a listening party under the Queensboro bridge in Queens where Nas is from, which I thought was, oh. was pretty dope. I cannot lie. It then That's it awesome. hit all streaming platforms. I think 24 hours later, um, seven tracks again, as all these good music albums of this year have. So, you know, Nas like definitely like a top, 10 maybe tops like all-time mc for me like yeah. nomadic as i said like i'd say five for me pro- one of the three favorite my favorite hip-hop albums ever made easily uh-huh. make the argument that's the greatest hip-hop album ever made sure his flow and voice is buttery he just he's just the guy kind of like we were saying pusha like put on earth to rap yes and write rhymes i will say on this album nazir you know it's just bizarre kanye produced all of it and it's it's just strange to me that the weakest Kanye productions in this entire good music run are on his own. Like Ye kind of has yeah. like scraps. It's like almost scrap like an, an afterthought. It's like, oh yeah, I should probably have an album too. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the first song on this album, Not For Radio, which opens with Nas saying Escobar season is return. And then Diddy 
don't uh, know if you could tell it, those Diddy, Puff Daddy, oh, yeah. P. Diddy, oh, yeah. on the track, <laughs> in like distortion voice, like hyping you up, says something about they're only in candid photos, some nonsense, whatever. And then I wanna, anyway, but can the, I interject <laughs> here with a story or, or finish your thought yeah. real quick? Yeah. Well, I would just yeah, and then and then the beat kicks in. I believe it samples. I read like the score from Hunt for Red October. Oh, so it feels like very like cinematic and like sure. biblical and epic and just like big sounding. Yeah. Uh, O seven O Shake, who's a new uh, signee on Good Music. Uh, she's on the hook. She's on Yay as well, and mm-hmm. maybe on she's definitely on on a track or two from Yay. She just, I think she has like a really distinct, cool voice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're definitely obviously really trying to put her on. And um, yeah, I, I really like that first track, Not For yeah. Radio, one of my favorites on it. Yeah, well, I wanted to interject with the story of, I saw Nas and uh, Lauren Hill in a concert at the Hollywood Bowl last year. I don't know if I've mentioned that on oh, the yeah, podcast, yeah. but uh, during one of the songs, um, one of the Nas songs, I forget which one, that he uh, features P. Diddy. P. Diddy comes out, or Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, whatever you want to call him, comes out, and uh, he's in like a light brown, sort of like caramel colored velvet tracksuit. And it just, he just like sort of shoulder like bobbed. Yeah, he just like shoulder bobbed his way around a verse and then got off stage. I was like, it seems like he just got off a leather couch at home, straight into a, like a, a limo onto stage and then back to couch it was right, like right. i was just really i just loved seeing p diddy out there for like four minutes and probably made like 20 grand or something just to do his little head bob for a minute <laughs> right. anyway yeah, yeah. funny story and yeah he's on the first song not for radio uh the second song cop shot the kids is really cool they use like this i don't know if it's like a news story uh sample of like cop shot the kids cop shot the kids and yeah, that's yeah. like that makes the beat it's pretty cool over and over um, again white label bonjour everything Bonjour's adam and eve dope, dope simple things yeah i just named all the title tracks to only seven <laughs> yeah white label super dope beat um bonjour kind of slows down a little more like lyrical uh you know french you know smooth rap song um adam and eve i think is my early favorite maybe that yeah. and, and white label are two of my favorites um just a really cool hook um like Adam yeah, the and piano Eve with like Adam little and Eve. yeah yeah it just really sticks in your head I've just been yeah, saying yeah. that like subconsciously all week um my uh my brother said of that beat via text that beat is like diving into a cool pool on a 95 degree day in August well oh, Joe I could well jump into that pool right now I got all the fans right. off in my apartment I'm feeling yeah, yeah feeling right, right, yeah, yeah. sweaty God, yeah actually, <laughs> yeah I, man that just I made me like uh, had some emotional reaction to the sound of a <laughs> cool pool <laughs> um but yeah that's a track i'll be playing all summer i yeah. i like there's like something kind of subtle that i really like in the production where it's like in between those piano beats there's like this deep bass that comes in to like fill the gaps and it's almost mm. like you can only really hear it if you're listening with like a night, you know, through like nice headphones or speakers. Uh-huh. I know I'm like a headphone snob, but it's like just really <laughs> totally. just like, yeah. like it's just it's really it's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Nazir, like I enjoy it. Maybe I don't know. It's like first Nas album in six years. Like Kanye produced. Like on paper, mm. it's like wow. Like I'm gonna be blown it's awesome. away. But yeah, it's um you know it, it's 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 enjoy. Like I don't I I don't think it's like uh, some instant classic or a masterpiece. Right. Like I I think. It's got two great tracks right now, and Nafredo and Adam and Eve, um, and you know I'm definitely enjoying it. It's good. So I listened to it on Spotify the first time, and as it finished, um, 
the world is yours from illmatic started after this oh, album geez. ended and i was like oh shit that's better than anything on that album <laughs> it's like that's better like, than anything i've heard in 20 years <laughs> i know yeah oh, so, so that kind of like it was like oh damn <laughs> yeah i do think um you know i i i I saw, I guess, I didn't know this, but Kanye was on Nas's 2006 album, Hip Hop is Dead, Still mm. Dreaming. And mm. Kanye's verse and production on that is like so awesome. Like I recommend mm. just like listening to that track. I had never okay. somehow I heard it. And uh, I was like, it was like a tweet that was like, this is the last time Kanye and Nas linked up. And I was like, what is huh. this? And it was on the album. So anyway, I do want to say before we close out, you know, we talk about these three rap albums from very prominent figures in music. Yeah. And I maybe you can tell, Ra, like, I, I there was kind of this, like, a little bit of disappointment, you know, disappointment from me, kind of like, I kind of alluded mm. to it earlier when I say, like, you know, with everything going on in the world, you kind of just wish that one of these cultural figures that really moved the needle would kind of, like, basically what I'm getting at is, like, where, and I'm going to make this as brief as possible without sure. falling into just a vortex of rage. Um, okay. So, where is, like, the what's going on of 2018? Where's mm. the fight the power? Where's the rage against the machine? You know, but for yeah. hip-hop, hip-hop's the most dominant, um, you know, genre of music. It's mm. in the center of culture. You want that and just social like commentary. Getting a star of the right magnitude yeah. that moves that cultural needle, grow some balls, and speak yeah. up for the moment, really lean into it. Obviously, right. there have been one-off examples, and, you know, Kendrick's done a little bit, you know, and yada, like, it, it's... But, like, I want a star who really matters mm. to go all in. And, like, it, it's like, look, I get it. Artists are very sensitive. They're so worried about alienating parts of their fan base. But, like, yeah. I feel like the moment we're in, it calls for it. It's bigger than your effing fan base. Like, do you and really yourself. want to be legendary and, like, have a yeah. legacy? It's like, put out the what's going on. Make the, right. you know, and, of course, like, easier said than done. But it's just, like... There's been two and, a, and I'm not even gonna mention his name, but it's been it's been two and a half years of material to write <laughs> yeah. the, the most the greatest protest album of the last right. forty years. I mean, like right. YG cannot have the most piercing song about this era <laughs> that we're in now. Yeah, um, and, and you all know, of these I just albums. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, just use your platform. I, you know, yeah. obviously, like it's not as effective as people in freaking Congress, like passing legislation and like right. winning elections and things like that. But music has a history of being so powerful and influential throughout the decades. And as someone who just cares so deeply about music and the effect it can have on people mm -hmm. and is very, and, and is that equally disturbed by what this country has been going through these last two yeah. years. I just have to get this off my chest in pod form. I will make a prediction on who, who this artist could be, though, and it's someone that we we mentioned a few pods ago, and that is uh -huh. Childish Gambino. I think. Oh yeah, his next this album. year yeah. with This Is America. I think he's got something up his sleeve, and I just yeah. really hope. Kind of just what I said. It's like use your platform. The moment calls for it. Right. Really lean into it. I just I don't want to hear. You know, Daytona's got a few of the mentions of it. You know, yeah. there's been you know I could you be know rattle off like twenty five. But yeah, stir like, up some shit. <laughs> transcend and yeah. make. The owl, like, who care, you know, like, I, I don't know, just like, that's why, like, I'm not that excited about everything is love. It's like, I don't really care about Beyonce and Jay-Z being happy in their marriage How right now when, like, yeah. freaking, <laughs> I mean, you know, everything yeah, it, that's been going on. I just don't, you know, it's yeah. like, in music has a history of having this kind of impact, and I'm just mm -hmm. profoundly disappointed that it hasn't, um, 
we haven't gotten there yet. Like where, you know, and even like a Tribe Called Quest album, which just came out right yeah. after the election, like that, that still is probably like album wise. Like, I mean, you know, in Timbim Butterfly, if that came out, you know, now people would be yeah. like considered like, oh, this is the album, but it came out in 2015 before, you know, a lot of this was happening. So yeah. anyway. Right about that Tribe album, that may be like still the oh, most uh, social yeah, commentary yeah. we've seen so far. It came out two weeks after the election, you know, I know so I know. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is no, my rant. I'm, I'm I'm glad you said it and very well put. Yeah, yeah. Thank so, you. Sorry and to go off. It, on, I was on gonna that, say but. during that that all of these these four albums and including Yay, if you include uh, Everything Is Love in here, all of them feel very personal and like not rocking the boat. Maybe uh, Kids See Ghosts is like the most sort of uh, commenting on some social, you know issue and it's really like personal health and right, like right, well-being right, right. and mental health so that's cool but yeah i mean it's KOD, very inward as a yeah, whole yeah kod you know, was the same way the j cole album sure, sure, uh, yeah. that's another like very inward in, introverted uh personal album so yeah i'm i'm glad you said that i hadn't really like come to that conclusion but it oh, does yeah. make a I've lot of there. sense yeah i'm sure it sure as hell drake drake ain't gonna do it in his album that <sighs> God, coward. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be all about oh, party time. Everything's great. Life is great. Yeah, it's all. I promise you, listeners, we will not talk about the Drake album. (laughs) Right. Anyway, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of Must Go Faster. Thanks so much, as always, for everyone for listening, and we'll be back soon with uh with a new one. Um, Please share uh, this episode in the pod in the meantime, and we'll uh, see you guys later. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening. As always, go digest some rap. Peace.